continue in Mark 13. We're going to begin at verse 7 and 8, and then we're going to jump to uh, 24 through 27. So uh, Mark 13, and we will read that in just a minute. In May 1977, I had just turned 10 years old. And with many across the nation, I went to the theater downtown to see a new movie. We didn't know it, but our whole generation would be impacted by the success of this film for years to come. I still remember the yellow words going across the screen at a strange angle away from us, giving us background information that we would need to know for the movie we would see. Now, I have seen every Star Wars movie, Most probably because I married into a family where they have memorized great details of the story, having seen all of them multiple times. Mark says every birthday party he went to in 1977 was to a theater to see Star Wars. Now the storyline in Star Wars is compelling as they weave you in and out of people's lives uh, throughout the narrative because they don't release each episode in order. You have to kind of keep up and be reminded of what has gone before. Every movie gives more information about why, uh, what's happened and why it matters. But at its core, Star Wars is about the fight of good and evil. If you've never seen one of the movies, this might be a good summary for you. One strong leader turns to the dark side helping the evil powers conquer everything, which allows them to basically take over the universe. Except there are those who fight for what is right, a band of people throughout the galaxy known as the Rebellion. And although they are small, they have a great will, and they utilize a magic-like power called the Force that helps them in their quest to free everyone from the oppressive evil of the Empire. Now... In the last movie that we saw in the theater, which you will see depicted here, an interesting thing happened to me that was quite unexpected. Multiple times throughout the movie when the fighting was intense or it seemed that the rebellion was going to lose, I found myself praying. (laughs) Seriously, asking God to help quell the evil power with his true force. It was as though I couldn't help it. The battle of good and evil shown on the screen seemed so real. Now, had it happened once, I could laugh it off as a hazard of the job. Warning, you can't turn off the pastor inside of you. But as it kept happening, I just eventually went with it. And it must have worked. Because although they suffered great losses, the rebellion survived to see another day. You're welcome, America. (laughs) When we read Mark 13, we remember that we are in a battle. Jesus is describing something which may seem like it is out of a movie, but it is real life. In the words we read today from the Lord, we recognize that we already feel the tension of what he is describing and the worry of what is to come. In both testaments of the Bible, we see the difficulty that people have of living in a broken world. As God's people, we are engaged in a cosmic battle that only ends when the Lord himself comes. 
We're in the middle of the story. It's not yet finished. And we don't know how much longer we have to wait for his return, nor do we know how much those who trust him are going to have to endure and how much it is that we are going to have to fight before that day. So hear now the word of the Lord from Mark 13, beginning at verse 7. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Verse 24. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we have given you this time. We invite you, God, to speak to us through the power of your word, through your spirit who is here. God, we are listening. Amen. So last week we talked about how Jesus was telling the disciples to not be deceived. Don't fall for the fakers, he said, those who come in my name but have no power, who have no life to give you. And today, he is urging them to not be alarmed. End of time writings and imagery is scary. That's why we so often avoid it, choosing to focus instead on what Jesus has done instead of what he will do. But by naming some of what is happening in real time for Mark's readers and for those of us who read this later, Jesus' prophetic words help us to not be frightened by all that will take place until he comes again. He is turning their attention from what will be happening in their context in Jerusalem to what will happen in the whole world. So we want to think about what Jesus is saying about what will come to pass, while also holding on to his word that we know to be true, that we should surrender our anxiety, that he is coming to fill us with his peace. And while we might be tempted to cling to some of the vivid images painted here, we want to remember to continue to look to the one who helps us in the fight he has already uh, have vict- has victory for. So we want to look at the three scenarios that are laid out here, suffering, cosmic upheaval, and the day of the Lord. And as we examine each one, I want us to think about what Jesus means when he says, don't be alarmed. Because maybe he's speaking not just about the emotion itself, but rather what it is that we do with our emotions. When I read this, here's what I think he means by don't be alarmed. Don't run away. Stay engaged in what is happening. Don't deny reality. Don't accept that what is awful is normal. Trust him to the very end, no matter what you see or what you experience. Pray, 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 even in the movies. And remember that there is a bigger picture. Verses like this can cause us to be afraid, but they can also give us peace as we hear the voice of the one behind the words. And Jesus says, each of these three things are going to happen. I'm trying to prepare you for that time. So let's look at the first scene about suffering in verses 7 and 8. 
Every generation, of course, has been well acquainted with unspeakable pain, and we are no exception. In most eras, people have thought that what they were experiencing was the worst that it could get. But it keeps on unfolding, and we continue to see repeated horrors and true heartache. Jesus is saying that in the time before he comes, there's going to be wars and great violence as people clash against each other and earthquakes and famines. We understand this very well. A bombed out city in Syria. A starving child in Yemen. An earthquake in Indonesia. fighting in Afghanistan. Jesus is giving a word picture that we have actual images for. These things that Jesus is talking about, we know are already happening. And these are just four places where the suffering has been intense recently. It doesn't include so many of the other things that we know about, a burgeoning opioid crisis, the 40 to 50 million abortions around the world every year, widespread disease, lack of basic necessities for so many, unbelievable corruption that leaves millions in poverty, so many turning from God, so many turning from the church. The hate that we keep seeing erupting in violence. When we ask why these things happen, God is often blamed because he could stop it with a word. But none of these things come from him. The majority of suffering that we encounter comes from those who actively work against him. Those who only live for themselves. Those who perpetuate great evil. And before we think that we're simply caught up in it, we have to remember our own sin, our own pride, and how all of our actions reverberate out to the people that we love and into the world. Many days, sometimes we just want to weep for the things that are happening, which seem to be escalating and getting worse. This week, one of our missionaries posted a picture showing a government where they have ministry in and how that government blocked the border so the humanitarian aid that is arriving from other countries can't be brought in to help because the government won't accept charity. So the people on the other side, their own people, are left hungry and in need of medicines that would sustain their life. Jesus says, we are in the process of birth. And the good news is, we're not at the beginning of the labor. But we are in the middle of it somewhere, and we don't know when it's going to be over. And when you talk to parents who are expecting, they say, well, we're not too worried about being parents, but man, we're anxious about the birth process itself. This makes sense to us. We don't necessarily worry about heaven, but the process of dying is one that we're not sure that we can handle. And waiting in the midst of a suffering world can be full of anxious moments. So what do we do? Well, I think that just like an expectant family waits for a child, we wait. Sometimes we pace the floor. Sometimes we run to a professional and say, we need a little bit of help with this. Sometimes we breathe. We breathe in the spirit. We breathe through the pain and the difficulty. 
Often we hold hands in prayer together with other people asking for God's help, asking for him to give us his strength. We ask for rest. We help in practical ways. When we feel helpless or frustrated, we might be uh, compelled to action. We're a people who have a beautiful hope of the life that God is going to bring. And Jesus is telling us, this is not the end, but these things are going to hasten the end. But before it happens, it's going to get harder. So we look at this and we say, oh Lord, what is alarming you right now as a person who lives in this time in history? What are the gifts that God has given you that he wants you to use to fight the evil that is around us? And so what does he have you doing for him to help bring his presence to this fallen place we find ourselves in? We stand in our faith and we listen to the voice of God who directs our path. Now the next section has deep roots in Judaic thought, verses 24 and 25 says the day of the Lord will come after a time of darkness and cosmic upheaval, where the sun and the moon will no longer shine. Jesus here is using language his disciples would have understood, right? This is apocalyptic literature found throughout the Bible in Ezekiel and Joel and Daniel and Isaiah, which is quoted here. Apocalyptic means unveiling, and much of it is understood as God's judgment on humanity. And Jesus is saying the heavens, which you always have known as a fixture in your lives, are going to cease to function. The stars are going to fall. The heavens will tremble with a great shaking. Here are some more words from Amos 5. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. As though he entered his house and rested his hands on the wall, only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Jesus says the days are going to get dark. Not just in suffering, but literally. As the constellations and the celestial bodies are feeling the weight of the judgment, the weight of the sin, the weight of everything, their darkness will signal that the end is even closer. Now, the Bible writers, of course, knew that everything that happens here on earth is part of the bigger struggle between good and evil. We see this in various scriptures and stories that we read. Jesus being tempted by Satan in the desert. Elisha's angelic army surrounding the army that's coming the snake in the garden, Stephen seeing the Lord in heaven as he is being martyred for his faith. Apocalyptic writings like this from Isaiah attempt to make sense of what will be happening on earth from a larger context. But these words bring fear, especially for those who do not trust God. But Jesus is trying to offer peace to believers who are experiencing suffering While many try to understand their current situation through these kinds of writings, it can be hard to do because it was written for a different context or because of the extreme symbolism or otherworldly language. Many scholars think that the readers of Mark's gospel were already experiencing persecution from Nero in Rome. 
So these words from the Lord would have been so welcome to them. They would have known that God saw them and that that Jesus knew that they would experience suffering and this would be reassuring that he was helping them. You see, the early church held on to the second coming of Jesus very tightly. They held on to it as a lifeline. They believed that Jesus would come back before their generation passed away. And over 2,000 years later, we're still waiting. But sometimes I think that we, lo- that we wait with less expectation and hope than they did. In some ways, we in the church hold our lives here more tightly than we should, wishing for comfort and the good things that we enjoy rather than what the Lord is doing as we head into a difficult future. If the words from Isaiah cause us fear, then we should look and see where our focus is. And we should ask the Lord to give us a bigger vision. Because life here is not about staying stable and staying comfortable. These writings are meant to get us ready. We may not live to see it. We may face much more tribulation in the days to come. We don't know. But what we do know is that we can face it head on when we trust the Lord and ask for his help. We have trusted him for our salvation, so let's trust him for our future, giving him what fear we have about any kind of darkness we face. In the last picture that Jesus gives in verses 26 and 27, it is about his return. So think about what he's saying here. He's going to come in the clouds. No announcement is going to be necessary. It's kind of a weird thing to think about that no matter where you are on earth, you are going to be able to see the Lord descending from heaven. And everybody is going to know that it is the Lord Almighty. And the darkness that came before is going to be a massive contrast to the Lord who will come in blazing glory because that is how he reigns. And angels will surround him and be sent out to the four corners of the universe to bring in the believers. Now, the term son of man is found in many places in the Old Testament, but Daniel is our best source here. In Daniel 7, the prophet is given a vision of four kingdoms that are represented by four beasts. And these get replaced by a vision of a son of man who comes in the clouds just like this, who is led into the presence of the ancient of days. And this son is given authority and glory and sovereign power and all peoples of all nation worship him in all languages His dominion is everlasting. His kingdom is never destroyed. So when we read this, we read it with the mindset also of the original reader. Because they believed that they were the chosen people. And that they would live in a world where one day their God would come. And that would be the day of the Lord. And they knew that before this day, there would be judgment and terror that after would be an age of endless peace. Destruction comes because of human failure and rebellion, but the second coming brings salvation and God's eternal presence. Now, there are some who will be alarmed by these words that Jesus is coming back. Those who are not ready. Those who keep him at a distance, being quite comfortable with a God who doesn't really push. But this is a game changer. 
Have you ever been on a trip to some place and the journey was just the best? It was just terrific. So much that when you got there, you weren't sure that you really wanted to be there, that maybe you wanted to get back in the car. Humanity has been given great freedom, but we know that one day that will end. So this is the day that all those who trust in Christ will shout for joy, will fall on their knees and worship the one they have gotten to know in their time here. So if this is a fearful thing for you, I encourage you to think about what is it that makes you afraid of this. And I encourage you to pray to the Lord and talk to a trusted friend. Talk to somebody about this because we all want to be ready for his coming at any time. We're going to talk more about that next week. So let's talk about Star Wars again. (laughs) Star Wars reminds us what a fight for good and evil looks like. And it's interesting because when you watch the movies, you see how various people respond to the evil that has taken over. And just like real life, some go on as if nothing has changed. Some live quite inebriated. Some go off the grid. Some others take advantage of the system, knowing that who really cares about the consequences. One of the things that is clear, though, in the movie that I kept thinking about this week is how the rebellion understands what they are facing. They know exactly what they're facing, and they know exactly what they need to do. So we ask ourselves, how do we respond in our lives to the very real spiritual battle that is being waged daily in our world for our souls? Jesus is not giving us a picture of a prosperous or a success-driven gospel. This, my friends, is a serious reminder of what the world is going to have to suffer until the end of earthly time. So today, may we take to heart the reminder that Jesus gives us to not be frightened, to not be alarmed. Let us have faith in the one who has purpose for us in these days, because we believe in a Savior who said that he is coming back again. And until then, and until the last battle is fought, we trust in Jesus, who reigns over all and who has equipped us and gifted us to do his work. Because he didn't just come to save us from our sins, but to continue a radical movement of God's people joining together worldwide to join him in this work. And there are going to be times that we're going to be alarmed, but we pray for the peace that Jesus said he came to leave us, that we dwell in that rich peace as we worship him all of our days. Let us pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.